Good morning. All right, we're going to be in Genesis 12, as Ben just mentioned for us on the video. Turn there with me at Genesis 12. We'll dig in in just a minute. Before we do, I want to just kind of tell you uh, an interesting story that the Lord reminded me of while I was preparing for today's sermon. And uh, in college, uh, when I got to, I got, had the opportunity to play basketball in college, and my coach, Coach Martindale, used to say this one thing to us. And I don't think I heard it, or at least I didn't remember it, my freshman year. But my sophomore year, I remember hearing him sit the team down and say, I'm here today to talk about your soul. And I thought to myself, oh, okay, that's interesting, basketball practice. And he, while he was a very strong believer and did do a lot of spiritual things with us, he said, I'm not talking about that soul. I'm talking about S-O-U-L. And what he meant by that was our current sense of urgency level. S-O-U-L, sense of urgency level. See, the interesting thing about uh, being in college is you, you really only have four years to, to do whatever you're doing. So, and being involved in athletics, one of the things that I had the opportunity was, was be involved in play. But uh, we were all pretty clear in the room that none of us were going to play pro. So uh, we had four years. That was it. So uh, you had to make the most of it. And I remember him describing to us the difference between when a freshman would walk on campus and when a senior walked on for his last year. The seniors had a particular sense of urgency. That was it. It was the last time they were going to do this. So they had a sense of urgency coming into the season, into their preparation, into all the preseason work, and even right into the, when we started playing a legitimate games. And what he was talking to us about before this season started, it was my second year, but he sat down and he said, I want to talk about your sense of urgency. Because the key is having a sense of urgency, even if it's not the last minute. Whether you're in a game, if you play from right from the tip or from the kickoff with a sense of urgency through the entire game, you're going to see the accumulation of good things happening instead of trying to push all your urgency right into the last five minutes. If you're at college, like, like we were at the time, instead of just pressing your senior year and feeling this sense of urgency, what we really needed to do was come into the program understanding that everything has a shelf life. Nothing here is forever. Only what we do for God lasts forever. So what we get to do here on this earth, we have to do with a specific sense of urgency. As we're talking about Mission Weekend and we're talking about what God's doing over all the world and particularly even here locally with our church, that's what I wanted to kind of open with and, and help us all get on the same page with this morning before we dug into a couple passages of scripture. What is your sense of urgency for the mission of God? What is your sense of urgency knowing that there's people that live next door to you or work with you or that you'll bump into the grocery store that may not have a whole lot of time and don't know Jesus? Does that do something for you? Because it should make it like it's the last game of our senior year of the athletic events that you have prepared for and given a lot of your time to because you play with a particular sense of urgency, knowing that there's an end in sight. As Christians, I think that's one of the things that we have been lulled to sleep in in our world. No sense of urgency. There's always tomorrow, there's always next week, there's always next year. Instead, 
we have to remember, both for ourselves and for the world around us, we have no idea how much time we have. Not a single one of us does. The disciples used to ask Jesus all the time, is now the time? Kingdom of God's at hand, is now the time? And what he kept answering them with was, stop asking me that question. Just live every day like now's the time. And then the one time you're right, you'll be right. But don't spend all of our days thinking, I've got more time. We have no idea if we have more time. As we think about Genesis 12, 1 through 3, and you can turn there with me, and as we think about the mission of God in this world, you'll notice today I'm, I'm wearing a t-shirt, which may be a little different than most weeks. But I want to show you, this shirt says made new on it. This is a shirt we have here at the church, and we hand them out whenever someone gets baptized here, because they're standing up publicly and professing that their life has been changed by Jesus. And as we talk about the mission of the church, the mission of the people of God in our world every single day, and the urgency that God wants us to have with it, we need to remember, one, God has made us new through Jesus, and two, that's the best thing that's ever happened to you or me. And we should spend every moment we have figuring out how God gives us the opportunities to tell other people about it. Not with one of those kind of delayed moments where, you know, I'll do that when I get a little older, or I'll, I'll do that when I get a little more settled, or I'll do that when I get to be a senior, or I'll do that when I really see the day coming. But instead, just like my college coach used to tell us, he was looking for men who played every practice, every day, every game with a sense of urgency. And those were the people he wanted in the game. For you and I, we need to have that same sense of urgency. There are so many things that distract us from what God believes and knows for us is of first importance. We can get distracted by anything. But God wants us to remember, live with a sense of urgency. If you don't get anything else this morning, hopefully you will, because we're going to talk about God's word. Usually it's good to take something away from that. But if you don't, just remember that. Today we're talking about the mission of God in our world and the sense of urgency that we need to have. Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3. It's maybe a familiar passage, but turn there with me and read with me as we read these first three verses and just the beginning of of verse 4 as well as it kind of plays into what we're doing today. Discovering your mission. That's the title of today's sermon. That's an emphasis for our weekend. Discover your mission. And I don't mean by that, discover your individual mission that's, that's different from the person sitting next to you. That's not what I mean. See, we live, live in a very individualistic culture. When I say your, I use a phrase like that. Most of us think individually about that. But I think when God's talking about our mission, he's talking about that corporately. The, will it look different for each of us in different ways? It may have a different slant on it, but we all have the same singular mission. To seek and save the lost by the name of Jesus. That's it. So that great big philosophical question that everybody has a tendency to ask in this, in this world, why am I here? 
If you've met Jesus and he's made you new, there's one reason why you're here. And it's all the same. We're here to tell everybody we can, as often as we can, about Jesus who's made us new. That's why we're here. So while we say, let's talk about discovering our mission, I just gave it all away. That's it. Okay? Discovery founded. We're good. Let's talk a little bit about how God wants us to work that out in our lives. Genesis 12. Read with me verse 1. We're going to read the first three and a half verses. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. That's where we're going to start in God's word this morning. The call of Abram. And God looked at Abram and said to him, and Abram was advanced in age at this point, somewhere in his mid-70s probably. And God said, I'm going to take you out from everything you already knew. I'm going to show you a new place to go. And as you are going, and as you live in that new place, I'm going to bless the families of the earth through you, through your family. The interesting thing about this passage, Genesis chapter 12, is we can say, okay, that's for Abram, right? And that's how his kind of call started, and that's how he discovered what God wanted to do. Later in Galatians, the apostle Paul is talking to the first century church, and one of the things he says to them is he references back to Genesis 12. And he says to the church, through you, God wants to bless all the families of the world. See, God's mission has never changed. It's never changed since the point of creation that every created being would know him and that he would have fellowship with him. That's his mission. It's the same for Abram in his old age as God completely uprooted his life and moved him to a new place and began the people of God through him. It's the same in Galatians when Paul's talking to the first century church. It's the same for us now. The mission of God is clear. There's no confusion about it. The part that we need to walk through and figure out and listen to the Lord on is, how are we a part of his greater mission? So, Genesis 12. A family that God puts in place to bless the whole world. This idea, this concept of being made new being your ultimate blessing in God, and then being made new, being the ultimate message you bring to the world. This is a consistent message and theme from the Lord. He talks often in his word about a family who is blessed to be a blessing. And you may be going through some things right now in your life. You may be thinking to, you, to yourself, even as I say that, you've been blessed to be a blessing. You might be thinking, I don't know, I got a few other things going on that don't feel like blessings. But what we can watch all through God's story is God's people responding to difficult situations with the right perspective of understanding no matter what difficult circumstances I'm in, I've been blessed beyond measure. Blessed beyond measure. You look around, I mean, we think about what we get to do here. 
You look at this building, what a blessing. You look at the gifts and resources he's given us to be the people of God and to try to move the mission of God forward and and show the world what he's like. The blessings he's given us are astronomical. There are people in lots of parts of the world that have literally none of the blessings we have. In most of those places, if you go there, I've had the opportunity to go to a couple of those places. Most of those places, if you go there, they consider themselves the most blessed people in the world because they've met Jesus. I'm convinced in our culture that's one of the barriers, one of the hard things of following Jesus consistently and well is allowing our material blessings to take our eye off the ball. Distracting us and watering down our sense of urgency because we feel okay. We feel like things are probably pretty secure. But God wants us to be vividly and continually reminded his mission is central to who we are. And as we talk about being a family, as he promised to Abram, a family that would be blessed through him to be a blessing to all the world, That's the question we need to ask continually, regularly. How has God blessed us? And how has he called us to bless those around us? We're not in the inventory business as Christians. God doesn't want you stockpiling blessings. Okay, that's not the the picture he's trying to get for us. He's trying to get the picture that we bring things in and we send them right out. Everything in this world we hold with open hands. Everything he's given you, everything he's put in your hands as a resource, it's not yours. He's given it to you to steward the way he's asked you to, and he wants you to give it away freely. Most importantly, the greatest blessing that any of us could ever have, and that's that Jesus has made us new. So we need to protect ourselves from actually being people who want to hoard what God has given us. Don't be a spiritual hoarder. It's not good. It's not how God created you. He created you to be blessed and to be a blessing. What are some ways that we can be a blessing to those around us? We're going to talk about three specific ways that we can do that. And because I like threes, no other real reason, three ways we can do that. And then under each of those three ways, which you can do that of each of those three ways. Okay? Don't worry, you'll get there. Follow along with me, all right? If you're looking at your notes and your app or whatever, just follow with me. It's not too hard. I'll walk slow, okay? The first one is this. Scripture is clear that we should be a blessing to the world around us with three distinct areas of our lives, with our mouth, with our time, and with our actions. With our mouth, with our time, and with our actions. Psalm 19, 14 says this. Let the words of my mouth And the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We just sang about that. We just sang the fact that the God of the universe who sent his son to redeem us and make us new is our rock and our redeemer. And in the Psalms, Psalm 19 specifically, one of the things God speaks to us through the psalmist is, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your eyes. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. 
So with our mouths, we should pass on all of the blessings that God has given us. We'll talk more about how to do that in a minute. With our time, we are blessed with time and opportunity, and we are called to be a blessing with our time and our opportunities. Whoever or whatever gets your time will eventually get your heart. Whoever or whatever gets your time will eventually get your heart. So how do we steward our time in a way that is a blessing to those around us? And then thirdly, with your actions. What you do is always a reflection of what you believe. What you do is always a reflection of what you believe. And you might think to yourself, no, I do lots of things that don't reflect my belief. No. I can help you pull that apart a little bit. I, I've struggled with this in my own life. Like, no, I don't believe that. I just did that. No, you did it because you believed something in that moment. What you do is always a reflection of what you believe. So God doesn't ask us to repent of actions. He asks us to repent of beliefs, wrong beliefs, and turn them back to him. So let's talk about three distinct areas and a couple places in scripture that help us with this. Psalm 103, turn there with me. We are going to be in a couple different places. I know in our series in 1 Peter, we've been centered on one particular place and kind of landed there, but I'm going to read for us Psalm 103. How do we bless the world around us? How do we regard all that God's given us as a blessing and pass that blessing on to others? Psalm 103 is one of the best layouts for this. The first thing we need to do is bless the Lord. So let's start there. Let's not start with, let's go out and do something. Let's start with understanding who God is and blessing him. Blessing him for all he's done for us. Let's read Psalm 103. Follow along with me. It's, it's 22 verses. I'm going to read straight through it. It's one of the best places in scripture that talks about all of our blessings in God and all of our blessings that we can give to the world around us. Verse 1 in Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone. And it passes in its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. His righteousness to the children's children, 
To those who kept his covenant and remember to do his commands, the Lord established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works and all the places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. How do we begin by remembering how blessed we are? We need to actually bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. When is the last time you've spoken God's blessings? Verbally, out loud. And you may say, I remember them often. I write them in my journal. That's all super helpful to do. Please continue doing it. And talk about them. Speak them out loud. Bless the Lord, O my soul, is what the psalmist is encouraging us towards. Why? There's a litany of lists here. There's reasons so abundant. And this, this is only one psalm. The reasons go far beyond what we just were able to read. But if you start here and you exalt, exhaust this list and you have blessed the Lord for all these things regularly, come back, I'll talk to you, we'll find some more. But this is an extensive list. It starts off with not forgetting his benefits. Why? Because he forgives our iniquity. That's what being made new is about. That's, that's how being made new should change who we are and how we live. Why should you bless the Lord? The first reason is because he forgives sin. Perfectly, completely, he wipes it away for those who are in him. I mean, the idea that Jesus would hand his righteousness to us in exchange for taking all of our decrepit, dirty laundry should cause us to bless the Lord for the rest of our lives. You don't need anything more than that. That should be enough. But that's not all. It is enough, but it's not all. He gives us so much more. But the fact that he has forgiven and taken our iniquities should cause us to bless him regularly. So Psalm 103, the first thing we need to do as the people of God to be a blessing to the world around us is to bless the Lord. Bless him with your words. Verbalize your gratefulness and your devotion. Talk about it. Talking about things is hard when you first start. But the more you do it, the more easy it gets. Talk about the Lord's blessings to each other and to everybody else that will listen. With your time, how do you bless the Lord with your time? It doesn't mean you quit doing everything he's called you to do. It does mean you make everything you do count for him. So don't walk away saying, Pastor Rob said I should quit my job and just spend all my time in front of my Bible. I didn't say that. But here's what I did say. Spend more time in your Bible, and then everything else God's given you to do, make that all about him too. Everything. How do you bless the Lord with your time? You understand that your time is given to you by him. And he has a meaning and a use for all of it. So make it all count for him. With your words and with your time, with your actions. How can you bless the Lord with your actions? Bless the Lord with all that you do. And as you live and work the way you work, the testimony while you're at work, 
the way that you are a neighbor, the way that you minister to those around you, the, the place God's given you in your community, the way that you live that out, these are all actions. Don't just declare the blessings of the Lord, do that, but also demonstrate them. Declare and demonstrate all that God's blessed you with. So the first step we need to be as a family, being blessed to be a blessing, is we need to bless the Lord. So I'm going to have us all do that just briefly, just to kind of get in the routine a little bit together. So I'm going to say, bless the Lord, and you're going to respond to me with, bless the Lord. Not super complicated. We can do it. I know you can. Okay? We've done harder things than this together. Okay? But we're going to start verbally doing this a little bit together. Everybody ready? Wow, that was not reassuring. (laughs) Is everybody ready? Okay, good. Bless the Lord. So now you did it once, you can do it more. But let those words be something that's routine to come out of your mouth. Bless the Lord. There you go. We're getting it. Now I gotta be careful. If I say it again, we're gonna, you're gonna throw me off. All right. So we know that to be blessed, to be a blessing means that we bless the Lord regularly. We also know that we need to bless the church. As the people of God, the church that we are a part of should be blessed by us being a part of it. Why? Because we've been blessed beyond measure again. So let's talk a little bit about how that looks and how we can do that. Galatians chapter 6, turn there with me. I'm going to read Galatians 6, 9, and 10. There's an encouragement for us to know that being blessed by God with all that he has given us can and should turn right around into the, the local family of God that we're a part of being blessed by our presence. Blessing the church. Galatians 6, 9 and 10 says this, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. The question I have for us is this. Those same three actions we've been talking about, our words, our time, and our actions, how are we blessing the church with those? Bless the Lord first. That's where you start. Step two is bless the family of God as well. What does that look like with your words? Very simply, how do you talk about your church family? How do you talk about your church family? What are the words that come out of your mouth when you're talking about other brothers and sisters in Christ? Are they a blessing? Are you speaking a blessing when you're doing that? If we all kept centered on this, I would guarantee you one thing. The Lord would build the unity of his church like nothing we've probably seen. If we were careful and committed that all of our talk about the family of God was a blessing. So with your words, do you bless the church? With your time, do you bless the church? Are you involved in some sort of way of serving? Have you asked? Have you looked? Do you you know where it is that God would have you use the gifts and abilities he's given you? 
Have you found where he wants to use you in other people's lives? Our time is important to God. So we need to bless him with it, and we need to bless the family of God with it. So we need to ask ourselves that question. How do we bless the rest of our church family with our time? There's not one way to do this. I can't stand up here and all of a sudden present to you a program for all of us to do together. Because we're all different. God's given us all different gifts and abilities. But what is important is that you ask. If you don't already know, ask somebody. Find a pastor. Find a leader in the church. Find someone you respect who served the church for a long time and ask them, how can I get involved? What does that look like? How do I figure out what God's called me to do tangibly to bless the church. So with our words, we should be blessing the family of God. With our time, we should be blessing the family of God. And with our actions, don't just talk about doing something. Do something. Okay? Scripture is clear about this. Don't just be hearers of all the good things that God's done for us and not have that change any of how you live. Let what we know about God change our actions. We should be completely different people, made new because of what he's done for us. I was talking to a pastor one time, an older pastor I respected, and actually he had me speak at his church, and afterwards we were standing there, and I was talking to someone else, but I was close enough to hear the person that walked up and had a conversation with him. And he was having a conversation with this uh, gentleman in his church, and he was trying to shepherd him through something. And uh, the guy, obviously, he hadn't really figured out much about what he should be doing in the church, and he was kind of asking different questions. I could tell that while I was, I know I have a little bit of ADD. So I'm talking to one person, I'm listening to this conversation. It kind of happens to me. Trying to focus in, and uh, we get all done. We're talking to different people, and there was another person that came up, and I was just waiting for him at this point. Started talking to him, and had a lot of ideas about what the church should be doing for the pastor. And he got done, and the, guy was, the pastor was very gracious, uh, listened, and he walked away. And the two men were also at the back talking to different people. And I said to him, I was just trying to glean some stuff. I said, so tell me how you handle, how do you handle that, right? How do you handle a guy coming up, and he's involved in something, but he's struggling to get through it. And another guy that comes up, and it looked, the, the guy that had a bunch of ideas for him, he knew the, the church lingo, so he had been around a while. The first guy hadn't been. You know what the pastor said to me? He looked at me and said, I'll take the new guy's something that he's doing over the other guy's nothing that he's doing. And I thought, it's an interesting comment. <laughs> Took it with me. I talked it away. I thought about it later. It's a general rule of being involved in the church. Don't come with a lot of ideas if you don't want to be involved in them. It's good to have convictions from the Lord. It's good to have leadings in how you're going to be involved in the church. And just know that when you bring them, you get to step in with them. It's not a good environment to have ideas for other people to do. Okay? It doesn't work real well. It's not a, it's not a great way to build relationships or build unity or, or get momentum going forward. It's really this idea. How do you bless the church with your actions? Get in. Get in. Get involved in something. And maybe that won't be the something you're involved in forever. Maybe you get involved and you realize that's not really my spot. But that's okay. 
Because, frankly, one, is as your pastor, but also I think the Lord kind of sees it this way. I'll take your something that you're doing over your ideas when you're not doing anything. Jump in and be involved. Look around the room and think to yourself, if all of us were completely committed to allowing our actions to bless the rest of the people in this room, imagine what a great place this would be to spend. And it already is, but imagine how much better it would be if we all kept this in front of us. I'm convinced if we can do this, blessing the Lord well and blessing each other, there will be people knocking on the doors trying to get in. Not even on Sundays. They'll just show up. Can I get in there? Those people are great. They're so nice. They seem to actually like each other. We won't have an issue of trying to pull people towards the family of God if the family of God lives the way God's called them to. So, blessing the Lord first, blessing the church second, and then thirdly, Galatians 3. Turn just one over one page with me to Galatians 3 as we talk about the third and final point here, bless the world. Galatians 3, 7 through 9 is what I'm going to read as we talk about where Paul here is quoting what we read first in Genesis 12 and talking about blessing the world. Paul's talking to the church in Galatia. Galatia had this issue. See, Galatia, the church in Galatia was very divided. They were having issues with ethnic divisions. They were having issues with race divisions in their church. They were trying to figure out the law or the gospel, which one's better, which one do we follow. They're, they have all these issues that Paul's trying to address. And Paul settles in chapter 3 here in verses 7 through 9, and he wants to remind them, there's all these other things I'm going to talk to you about. This is what's most important. This is what will stand the test of time. Verse 7 of Galatians 3. Know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying this, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So you probably come from a different background than other people in this room. You've come from a different family of origin. You've come from a different upbringing. Maybe you've moved here from a different place. You have different history that you don't share with everybody in the room. But here's one of the things that's the most important thing that we need to remember. In Christ, the greatest commonality we have is also the most important one. And it's the fact that he has changed our lives. So everything else is different. And the church of Galatia was battling with this. Jews and Gentiles, Greeks and other. I mean, they're just having all these issues in Galatia. And Paul says, stop. You know Jesus. Therefore, you're sons of Abraham like all the other sons of Abraham. And you are called to bless all the world with who you are, what you say, and what you do. Bless the world with your words. Talk about God, his amazing goodness to you and Jesus and the wonderful family with which he's adopted you into through Christ. Talk about that regularly. Let it be on the tip of your tongue. As soon as you get the right opportunity, it just comes out. Bless the world with your words. Bless your wor the world with your time. See and use every minute as given by God for the good of the world. Not for the good of you, 
not for the good of consumption, not for moving your life forward, but every moment you have, make it about blessing the world for him. And with your actions. Quote that I heard from a, a, another older saint that was speaking in front of a group of guys one time with me, and he says this, get some calluses on your knees and on your hands. Get some calluses on your knees and on your hands. Start praying more and start doing more for God. Too many of us in our world that call themselves Christians have smooth knees and soft hands. That's not the life of following Jesus. It's hard. It's going to take a lot of prayer. You should be on your knees regularly. And you should be doing things with your hands that show the love of God to the world around us. Yesterday, we had the opportunity to be at a local park over here in North Syracuse. And it was a great, it was wonderful. One of the things that, uh, one of the reasons that God kind of reminded me, and, and we've been talking about being made new here, we're in this park, we get there yesterday. What we were asked to do by people that work here for the village was clear these fence lines. And there was vines and branches. And, and actually, when you walked in, it, there was an entrance, and you knew there were fences there, but you couldn't see them. So you couldn't see them on either side as you walked in. Not a ton of time, about three hours we, stood, we spent there. We had a great group of people from the church here serving them. You turn around, you look back when you're done. One, there's this huge pile of brush, and two, you can see the fences cleared on both sides. This doesn't seem like a lot. You're clearing brush, pulling vines, although if you've ever pulled on a vine, you know how that goes. Pulling vines, clearing brush, making something look nice for the community around us. But you know what? It seems like that's just menial labor. It's not. Nothing done for the Lord is ever menial. I'm convinced the Lord's going to continue to give us opportunities to serve the community around us with our hands and with our words. And as we do and as we respond in faithfulness with him, He's going to impact more people than we know what to do with. Because they're going to see that church on Route 11 isn't just a church that people get together to on Sundays. They're out here. They're doing stuff. And when they, we ask them, why are you doing that? They tell us. We're doing it because Jesus changed our lives. And they might think that's a little weird at start, but you know what? They'll get used to it. It's Okay. Because you keep serving and you keep showing the world around you how much God loves you, loves you and has changed your life and eventually they'll start to see it for what it is. There's two specific songs that came to my mind as I close today. We talk about being blessed to be a blessing. One an old one, one a new one. I'm gonna read some of the lyrics for you. I'm not gonna sing them. Okay, that would be a complete distraction to what I'm trying to do here. But I'm going to read them to you. Maybe, maybe you know them. I'm only going to read one stanza of each. But they both are full of God's truth for us as the family of God being blessed to be a blessing. The first one is this. When upon life's billows you are tempted, tossed, tempest tossed, when you are discouraged thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Count your blessings, 
Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. That needs to be a routine for us as believers. Stop and remember all that God's done for you. Recite it out loud. Second one is a newer song that we sang recently here as a church family. And, and uh, it just the words are straight from Scripture. In Numbers chapter 6, it says this. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you and within you. He is with you. In the morning, in the evening, in your coming and in your going, in your weeping and in your rejoicing, he is for you. He is our greatest blessing. Let's count them regularly. Let's remind ourselves of them. Let's talk about them all the time. And in doing so, we'll all discover our mission. It's to bless the Lord, bless each other, and bless the world around us.